Section 3. The Cash Crunch. Testing and the Cash Flow Model. Why do startups fail? What creates that overwhelming statistic that only a third of small businesses will last 10 years? The truth is there are many, many reasons why small businesses fail. Some of the more common are lack of demand or need for the various products or services, poor planning, having the wrong people, or not having enough people to support growth, growing too fast, not understanding the competition, or not having a strong competitive advantage, and the list goes on. But what if I told you that there is a magic antidote that can fix every one of these issues? What if I told you that there is one thing that if your small business has, and so long as it has this one thing, you will never be forced to close your doors? This one thing can overcome bad management, low market demand, dramatic falls in the market, or any other issue that every small business has to face at some point in their existence. This one thing will overcome all of that. That is, until it runs out. And when it's gone, it doesn't usually come back. This one thing is cash. A small business can stay in business so long as there is cash to still run the business. You don't have to have sales or even make a profit to be in business. In fact, there are thousands of small businesses right now that are in operations without having any profits and hundreds more that aren't generating any sales. But once a small business runs out of cash, it goes out of business. So why does everyone focus so much on sales and making a profit? Because it's the best way to get cash. But there are other ways too. Many small businesses get cash from loans, typically from a bank, but also from investors, friends, family, credit cards, etc. Then there is cash from equity or ownership in the small business. This usually comes from the various owners putting their own money in the business or investors who buy ownership or shares in the business. Then there is what I call the small business subsidy. This is very common among small startups. The small business subsidy is where a failing small business manages to stay in business for an extended period of time, i.e. they still have cash, because their spouse or parent or other loved one is offsetting the losses every time they get low on cash. The most common form of subsidy in a small business is in the form of cheap or free labor. Instead of taking a real wage, the owners or their friends and family work for a discount or for free. But whatever the source, it's still a form of cash because it would require cash to pay for it otherwise. What's the big deal with cash and cash flow? Why do we say that cash is king in small business? It's cash that pays the bills, not sales or even profits. When we owe money to someone, they want to get paid in dollars, and cash is the only way to do that. I use cash to pay my employees. I use cash to pay my rent. I use cash to buy my inventory and to be able to extend credit terms to my customers. All of this is done with cash. Regardless of what I do in my small business, no matter how bad of mistakes I make, I can stay in business so long as I have enough cash to keep me going. But what usually happens is that small businesses run out of cash long before their sales and profits have a chance to replenish their cash supplies. In my training programs, a question I will often ask the participants is, what happens when a small business runs out of cash? Over the years, I've had various responses that are all appropriate, but the answer can be summed up in just three words. So to the question, what happens when a small business runs out of cash? I reply, 
bad things happen. That's really all there is to it. When your small business doesn't have cash, you will start to notice bad things happening. Whether it's additional finance charges from your bank, payroll and labor problems, you can't buy new inventory, or having utilities turned off, all of these are bad things. And this is just the physical or tangible side of things. Imagine the emotional and mental side. There are high levels of stress. You start to come across as being desperate to make the sale. Your creditors and investors don't trust you like they once did and start giving you bad payment terms or calling for payments due or wanting to take over your small business altogether. In all cases, bad things happen. So if we know that with cash, our small business can surmount any obstacle and without it, bad things happen, the obvious question is, how do I make sure to have cash in my small business? Most small businesses take this to mean, how do I get more cash? That is definitely one option, but there are drawbacks. First, most startups don't have any cash. That's a big reason they want a successful small business, to make it so they can get cash. So if you don't have it to begin with, it is very difficult to get it. This brings us to the next set of drawbacks. In accounting terms, there are two ways to get cash, debt and equity. Debt means you borrow the money. It doesn't matter from who or where you borrow it. You can take out a loan from your 401k. You can borrow it from your grandma. You can max out your credit cards. You can use an online lending platform. It doesn't matter how you get it, but if it's borrowed money, it's debt. Regardless of the sources, we'll call this option working with your creditors. What are the drawbacks of having creditors? It's expensive and it uses some of the cash you're trying so desperately to have just to pay for their credit. Essentially, this option is when you buy money. That's right. All you are really doing is buying money. Sometimes it comes in nice packaging and sometimes it's pretty straightforward, but it's still just a purchase of money. With money, the more you buy, the more expensive it becomes. There aren't a lot of bulk discounts when buying money. So the more you need, the more it will cost you. Another drawback to having creditors is that every penny you borrow has to be paid back. But unfortunately, it's significantly harder to pay it back than it ever was to borrow it. Why? It's because you eventually have to pay it back by creating sales and profits in your company. Unfortunately, you don't get to keep most of your sales or profits. There are operating expenses to be paid that will eat up most of your sales and taxes to eat into your profits. What is left of your profits usually goes to covering your personal expenses. And when everything is said and done, only a small percentage of sales or profits generates the cash needed to pay back your creditors. Compound this with all the interest, or your cost of buying money, that continues to climb, lowering the amount of sales available to create more profits. It's a difficult cycle for most small businesses when they have to repay business debt. I've had the unfortunate privilege of seeing firsthand how many small businesses are in business today with the sole goal of paying off their creditors. Many great businesses that you and I frequent regularly might look successful on the outside, but internally, they are constantly struggling just to pay down their debts. They don't expect their small business to make them any money and are constantly looking for an option to just get rid of it with the smallest loss possible. Think about that. Small business owners, most of them working 60 or more hours each week, aren't even trying to make money anymore. They are simply trying to get out from under their creditors. No one would ever go to work for a company working 60 plus hours a week and instead of getting paid actually end up paying their employer for the opportunity to work there. 
but this is what happens constantly in the world of small business. Now, remember what I said earlier? If you have enough cash, you can overcome any obstacle in your small business. So what is the knee-jerk reaction of those small business owners who start having bad things happen in their business? Oftentimes, they try to get more cash. But cash from creditors eventually has to be paid back through sales and profits. So getting more cash when there aren't sales or profits will just compound the problem. There is another option. That is, small businesses can use equity instead of debt to get cash. Equity, in its simplest form, is nothing more than ownership. If you give someone a portion or percentage or piece of your company, they have equity. Usually equity is exchanged for either cash or labor, but since we're talking about cash flow, let's not worry about the option of sweat equity or the labor side of the coin. Let's just focus on equity as a way to generate cash in exchange for ownership. With debt, we looked at the small business having creditors. With equity, let's look at the small business having owners and what it means to have additional owners of your company. The first thing to consider is when will you pay for that ownership? One thing which isn't often understood or realized in a startup small business is that equity is cheap on the front end but very expensive on the back end. Meaning, to have additional owners in a company, especially a startup company, is a great option to get a lot of cash up front without the constant pressure of creditors. But once a small business starts to grow and become successful, the owners who put in the cash want their share of that growth and success. And smart owners usually want a bigger share than the creditors ever did. After all, they put up the cash while taking on a bigger risk and waited longer to start getting a return on their investment. I personally agree with this approach and specifically didn't call it a drawback to equity because it's not. It's just something to be aware of you will end up paying more in the long run for using owners to get cash or the equivalent of cash to run your business. Although the fact that ownership is more expensive on the back end of a business isn't necessarily a drawback, there are definitely drawbacks to getting cash in the form of equity. One big drawback is that equity most often brings with it some form of ownership, also known as partnership. Whereas partners are absolutely necessary for any small business to be successful, the wrong partnership will certainly ruin any small business. Note that partners can include vendor relationships, employee relationships, or customer relationships, not just formal partnerships. This is nothing new and is a well-known fact, but what isn't often remembered is that partnerships are constantly evolving. A partnership that is perfect today might be a disaster tomorrow. Or the opposite can also be true. Some of the best partnerships I've ever had have come from people that initially I couldn't stand. It wasn't until we were forced to work together that we realized how complementary our differences really were. But the point is that if you take on equity partners today, these often won't be the same partners you'll want to have in order to be successful tomorrow. People change, situations change, markets change, and there is a big difference between being a part owner of a startup and being a part owner of an established small business. The drawback is that it's hard to replace an equity partner when they have a monetary tie to your small business, since you used their cash to get you started and to keep you going. It's also hard to add new partners without offending the existing partners. Another drawback to cash in the form of equity is that ownership, purchased with cash, also brings with it the right of the person contributing their cash 
to manage, direct, criticize, or otherwise dictate the affairs of the small business. The idea is, if you are using my cash to make your small business run, I get to determine how I want your small business to run. And if you don't like it, you have to find another source of cash to buy me out. In the meantime, get used to my way of doing things. The idea of buying someone out brings up another drawback to ownership. Unless you buy them out, which usually costs significantly more than the amount of cash they originally gave you, they are with you throughout the duration of your small business. This can be really bad news if you don't like each other or if you don't want them around for whatever reason, but owners get to stay. Thus far, we've mentioned drawbacks that happen with any small business at any stage when they look to ownership as a source of cash. But there is a drawback which is very specific to startups and likely the most impactful as well. As a startup, you have no idea what's going to happen with your small business, which creates all sorts of problems with giving additional people ownership in your small business. First off, if you don't know what to expect from your startup, then obviously neither does anyone else. So why would anyone in their right mind want to give you money for something that may or may not work? As a startup, your first challenge with getting someone to invest in your small business is that deep down most people don't think your small business is going to ever work and they don't want to lose their money. Statistics show that most startups fail and therefore many people don't want to put money into a long-shot idea that they think may not work. This leads many entrepreneurs to look for equity investments from people they know personally, friends, family, and fools, who often make terrible small business partners. The owners of your startup should be individuals who are passionate about your small business, have a valuable expertise to bring to the table, and are 100% committed to this venture succeeding. Anyone who doesn't fit this profile shouldn't be an owner. And if you wouldn't ask them to be an owner because they don't fit the profile, you shouldn't ask for their equity investment in your small business. Assuming you can get past the obstacle of finding the right people who have cash to invest and are super excited to invest in your small business, your next challenge is how big of a piece of the pie should they get? I'll just state right off the bat that 50-50 rarely, if ever, works. Unless you're married to the person and already have everything set up as 50-50, in which case you have more to worry about than just your small business. If 50-50 doesn't work, then what does? The challenge is that there isn't a right answer to this question. For one, it's impossible to know how much value there is in the amount of cash invested. That outside investment of cash could be the difference between success and bankruptcy, or it could simply be a cushion that is available just in case. Then there is the issue regarding what additional aspects the owners will contribute to the small business. Is there value in their expertise or network of small business connections? And then there is the issue that things change. Your startup will change dramatically, and there is no way of knowing the value of various assets or resources you'll need as you look to grow. In short, you just won't know. Which means that at some point, the various owners will either feel cheated or lucky, depending on what percentage they happen to have at any given time. It's doubtful that the percentages will magically work out. I realize that we have only looked at the drawbacks of creditors and owners in a startup, but that's because the drawbacks seem to almost always outweigh the benefits. Remember that most startups fail, and remember also that so long as a startup has cash, they can continue to stay in business. Therefore, we can assume that the lack of cash is killing startups, 
or at least is a major player in their demise. And the two main cash options available to small businesses, creditors and owners, cause too many problems for small businesses to truly benefit from them. Yes, they need the cash, but is this really the best solution? If creditors and owners were the best solution, then the number of small business successes would be much higher, at least I would expect. Let me reiterate this point in another way. If a small business had good sources for cash, there wouldn't be nearly as many failures and many more successes. But there is an alternative to increasing cash. It requires using the MS approach and is done by creating a startup that runs on little to no cash. As I've outlined, the MS approach starts with identifying a demand followed by testing the market and finally launching the business. Of the three elements in the MS approach, the only one that requires significant amounts of cash is the launch. Successfully identifying a demand and testing the market should be done with as little money as possible, meaning no big need for cash. As was stated, this is the biggest difference between testing and launching. Testing uses as little cash as possible. For decades, we've been conditioned to believe that the best and only way to start a small business is to get an investment or a loan and go big or go home. We've been told things like, it takes money to make money, and we've believed it. This is definitely one way to start a small business, but it's not the only way. In today's world, many of the companies that are launching, growing, and making headlines are all centered around ideas, concepts, and new ways of looking at information. Oftentimes, there is very little cash used, but rather creative ways to solve problems that matter to consumers. So instead of thinking it takes money to make money, you'd be better off thinking it takes opportunity to make money. And opportunities are happening constantly around us all the time. Let's look at the idea that one doesn't need to have significant cash to start a small business. In order for this to work, there are certain rules that have to be followed. Rule number one. These rules only work for startup small businesses. When you are in the startup phase of your business and before you fully launch, your goal should be to limit the amount of cash needed. But that is not the case for an established small business. There are many times when an established small business will want to make a significant investment in their business. What's the difference? They have a financial history to analyze prior to making the investment among many other advantages when it comes to cash flow and investing money in their business. Rule number two, no small business can last forever without cash. Eventually, your startup will mature past the startup phase and need cash, just like every other small business. I'm going to teach you the low-cash startup model, but don't think it is a magic bullet that solves all your problems. At some point, you will need cash for your business. The point isn't to avoid cash. The point is to get what you need when you need it to be the most successful. Rule number three, use less cash than the industry standard. The term little to no cash is relative, meaning your goal is to use significantly less cash compared to your industry or small business type. You might need $1 million in cash to test your startup, but if the industry standard is $5 million, then you are using relatively little cash. Rule number four, go for break-even. 
Breakeven is a powerful tool for startup businesses, and it can be used for more than just managing sales and expenses. Later on in this book, I will show you how Breakeven can be used as a tool to manage cash and your startup marketing strategy. With a few rules in place, we are ready to move on to understanding the low-cash startup model and how it works. Entrepreneurs have been taught over and over that cash is king, and if you want to start a small business, you should write a business plan to get funding. We think that somehow, if we have funding, that our small business will be a success. It's this false notion that all a small business needs to be successful is adequate funding, which creates so many problems in the minds of many startup entrepreneurs. The truth is quite the opposite. Small businesses don't need cash. They need an opportunity to create cash, and that's the idea behind the low-cash startup model. Instead of starting by seeing how much money you can get for your startup, what if you started by seeing how far you could grow your small business without using any cash? A good friend of mine launched a demolition company for under $400. He grew the company to be the third largest demolition company in the state. But as luck would have it, his small business got into trouble. He went through some unexpected major health issues that kept him away from his small business for several months. His employees, who were supposed to be there to help his small business, took advantage of the situation and started stealing from the company. By the time his health returned, his small business was ruined. He literally had nothing, and the small business he had worked so hard to establish was now tainted and bankrupt. So for the second time, he went back to work and started another demolition company. Because he started the first one for under $400, he knew he could do it again. And he did. He didn't need to get more cash. He just needed to recapture the opportunity that was still there. Imagine if he had needed cash. Who would have given it to him? He was bankrupt. He had just run his small business into the ground. Nobody would have given him any cash to start again. And even if he had found someone to invest, they would have hit him with such a high interest rate that he would have been buried by it. Instead, he went back to work recreating a new demolition company. Today, not only has he matched his previous success, but he is also expanding his small business into neighboring states. And he did it again with less than $400. Cash is best used to grow a proven model, not to figure out how to run a small business. That statement is so important, I want to reiterate it. Cash is best used to grow a proven model, not to figure out how to run a small business. If you use cash to try and figure things out, you'll find that it is very expensive to try and figure things out. The cash you have for your startup won't be used to grow your small business, but instead will be used to teach you how to do business. There is a better way. That way is to start with little to no cash and learn from your mistakes without literally paying for them. Get the cash when you're ready and you know your market and know your small business. The following section will explain how to do this. Marketing to break even. We've spent a lot of time discussing cash flow and understanding the basics of keeping a startup going. Now let's look at what this means for marketing your startup. Remember, the low-cash startup model. The key to the low-cash startup model is that the less cash you need, the less cash you have to pay back, either to yourself, to the bank, or to investors. Without a high cash hurdle to clear, it becomes easy to create and run your startup small business. 
But what does all this have to do with marketing your startup? That's where the concept of break-even comes into play. Before we get to break-even, though, we need to cover a fundamental of sales and marketing. That is, that there is only one main purpose for marketing. We market our small business to generate sales. Said another way, all sales are a function of marketing. The relationship is that marketing is the step that leads to sales, and without marketing, there would be no sales. Perhaps you are thinking something like, but I market to get customers. That's true, but you want customers because they buy stuff from you that will create a sale. You don't want customers who don't buy. In fact, at that point, we don't even call them customers. Most places call them loiters and have laws or rules in place to get rid of them. Then there are those who agree with the idea that the purpose of marketing is to create sales, but they disagree that all sales come from marketing. They might argue that they have customers who buy from them without them marketing their products or services to them. If this is you, you are making a common mistake in thinking that advertising and marketing are the same thing. They're not, and it is very common that people will purchase from a small business without being advertised to, but they are definitely marketed to. Whether it be your store location, the sign on your building, your convenient service, your informative blog, or the attractive color scheme of your small business, all of these are part of your marketing strategy and contribute to the reasons why someone ultimately chooses whether to buy from you or not. Once a small business understands that all sales come from marketing and that everything the small business does can improve or weaken their marketing strategy, they can then begin to look at sales simply as a function of marketing. This will prove to be an important distinction when we use the break-even concept as a startup marketing tool. Break-even in a small business is the point at which the small business has no profit and no loss. The business is at net zero. The business isn't out any money but hasn't made any money either. But break-even is also the starting point at which a small business begins to make money, and that's why it is so important. You can't make any money until you reach break-even, so the sooner you can get there, the sooner you can start making money. To calculate break-even, you need two parts. The first part of break-even is sales, and the second part is costs. The formula, in its simplest form, is sales minus costs are zero. Sales less costs equals zero. Break-even is the point at which any business will generate enough sales to cover its costs. But there is more to understanding break-even in a small business. To better understand it, let's look at break-even from a different perspective. Remember that all sales are a function of marketing. And if I want to increase my sales, I need to improve my marketing. Therefore, we can look at break-even as marketing creates the sales that cover the cost to equal zero. This doesn't change the formula. All I've done is list that it is marketing that creates the sales variable in the formula. Just like marketing is the driver for the sales variable in the break-even formula, there is also a driver for the cost variable. Cash is used to cover costs. Cash is the driver for the cost variable. The reason for cash in a small business is to pay for stuff, i.e. costs in a small business. When a business has cash, especially a startup business, they use that cash to buy things for the business, labor, rent, supplies, inventory, etc. Even when a business keeps cash on hand or in a savings account, what's the primary purpose? They want enough cash on hand to cover unexpected costs. 
Here's another way to look at the impact of cash on a small business's cost structure. Usually, a business's cost structure is not determined by their actual costs. Usually, a business's cost structure is determined by how much cash they have available. This is especially true for most startups that are often struggling to have enough cash. When they have cash, they spend it. If they get more cash, they spend more cash. The pattern isn't that businesses get cash to cover their costs. The pattern is that a small business will find enough costs to use up their cash. So in our break-even formula, we need to add that when cash goes up, costs go up. Marketing leads to sales minus cash leads to costs equals zero. With that understanding, let's look at break-even again with a different understanding. Most startups are trying to get cash to start their small business with the idea that more cash is better. But if cash is used to cover costs, what do small businesses usually do with more cash? They find more costs to spend that cash on. What becomes the effect on sales? In order to hit break-even with higher costs means that a small business has to have higher sales, and the only way to generate sales is through marketing. The small business is now, at this point, required to improve their marketing or do more marketing to get the sales to cover the costs that were brought on by having cash in the small business, and all this to hit break-even, which is only the starting line in actually making money. If we look at the diagram, it's break-even happens when sales minus costs equals zero. Or we can look at break-even happens when sales covers costs. Sales are a factor of marketing, so to increase sales requires an increase or improvement of marketing. Costs are covered by cash. When cash is available, we tend to spend it. Therefore, we can expect as cash increases, so will our costs. So if I look at the diagram of sales equals costs, but marketing drives sales and cash increases costs. Therefore, as cash increases, so does the need for increased or improved marketing, unless cash is managed correctly. Therefore, marketing can equal cash. Imagine you are a fresh new small business. Because you are completely new, there is a significant learning curve and you plan on there being extra mistakes you'll need to fix in your small business. Also, because you are new, you don't know for sure what to expect from your potential customers. You also have additional issues to contend with such as registering your business name and other governmental requirements, writing your policies and procedures, hiring a completely new team, and hoping their culture matches your ideals, etc. Now imagine, on top of all this, that you decide to get additional cash to help your small business launch, thinking this is a good thing. You then realize, only too late, that this extra cash has increased your costs in break-even, making it so you now need extra sales, which means that your marketing has to be amazing just to get to the point you can start making money. All of this combined becomes too much, and like so many other startup small businesses, you end up closing your doors before ever getting to the point that you can generate your own cash from the sales and profits of the small business rather than outside sources. It's no wonder that so many startups fail when the very thing that is supposed to help them be successful, more cash, is actually making it harder for them to successfully market their small business. Let's look at what I mean using the break-even formula. We know that we reach break-even when our sales cover our costs. 
We know that sales come from our marketing efforts, and we also know that most startups will spend most, if not all, of their cash covering costs during the startup phase. The formula we are using is marketing leads to sales minus cash leads to cost equals zero, where sales are a function of marketing and costs are a function of cash. Using this information, let me run a basic scenario. Let's say company XYZ has decided to start a new business and has $20,000 to invest in the business. They plan to keep 10% as a cash reserve. They figure they can double their marketing return on investment, ROI, meaning that for every dollar they put into the marketing, they expect to get $2 back. Because this is a new startup, they want to have an aggressive marketing budget of 20% of expected sales. What would their break-even formula look like? We know that they kept $2,000 in reserve, which left them with $18,000 to cover startup costs. This means they would need $18,000 in sales to reach break-even. Their marketing budget would be 20% or $3,600, and they are expecting a two times marketing ROI. This would be the formula. $3,600 in marketing would lead to 7,200 in sales minus costs of 18,000, a net loss of $10,800. Even with a marketing budget of 20% and being able to double their marketing ROI, this business would be short $10,800. To hit break even, they would need to either increase their marketing budget to 50% or improve their marketing ROI to nearly four times their initial investment. Most startup small businesses invest less than 10% on their marketing budget and run several failed attempts before they are able to find a marketing technique that even provides a positive ROI, let alone a 400% return. Keep in mind, this is only break-even. The business still wouldn't make any money. They would simply cover their costs. Now, to be fair, there are many aspects of the business that aren't factored into this break-even formula. But truthfully, it would likely make the break-even numbers look even worse. For example, the actual formula should put costs before sales because that is what typically happens. You have to pay for things before you see sales start coming in, which means you would need even more cash to float the time between costs and when you collect on sales. What would happen if we used conventional thinking to help this startup small business? What would happen if we added more cash to this scenario? If the business is short cash, couldn't we just account for that shortfall by planning for it and having enough cash? Let's see. We're currently short $10,800. Let's add an additional $10,800 to our startup venture to cover the needed cash, making the startup capital $30,800. If XYZ Company used the additional $10,800 to cover costs, which is what almost all startups will do, they will actually be worse off. The formula would look like this, $6,160 in marketing that would lead to $12,320 in sales, minus cost of $27,720 equals a net loss of $15,400. Simply adding more cash to cover a cash shortfall won't work unless the business changes its cost structure at the same time. Here is how it works. If you think back to break-even, you'll recall that we reach break-even when sales and costs are equal. Sales less costs equals zero dollars. Whatever amount of sales I put into the equation, I will reach break-even when and only when costs are the exact same amount. 
So if increasing the startup cash leads to a higher marketing hurdle, what would happen if you decreased your startup cash threshold? Your sales would still need to equal costs, but they would be lower, making it significantly easier to market your startup. There is an important concept that I need to point out here. Notice I said decrease your startup cash threshold. Simply lowering the amount of cash you have while keeping your cost structure high will just bankrupt your small business sooner. The idea is not to lower the amount of cash you have, but to lower the amount of cash you need. Let's look at this using the XYZ company. If they had $20,000 in startup cash with the same marketing assumptions, they would only be able to stay in business if they kept their costs low, way low. Here's the actual formula. $3,600 in marketing would lead to $7,200 in sales. Minus costs of $7,200 would equal break-even. Their cost should be only about a third of the available cash in order to keep the marketing hurdle low enough to be easily attainable. But how many startups will use only a third of their available cash? The answer is most startups won't and most startups will fail. This should seem simple, mainly because it is. But at a subconscious hidden level, too many entrepreneurs lose sight of this simple concept and just go after the cash, not realizing that they will likely simultaneously increase the amount of cash they need, which makes it more difficult to market their new startup. We have a culture that praises the entrepreneur who can get the bigger investment. If you doubt this, pick up any magazine on entrepreneurship and you will find article after article on amazing small businesses that raised capital for their business or connected with a major investor. The Small Business Administration's highest awards go to small businesses that raised capital. Even the hit series Shark Tank is based primarily on small businesses getting funding. This is fine if your goal is to get funded or when your small business is to the point that it needs the cash flow. It's past the testing stage and into launch. But to the hundreds of thousands of small businesses that start up each year, may I suggest that it's better to lower your marketing hurdle and make it easier on yourself. You'll improve your chances of success, lower your risks in starting a small business, lower the stress of starting a small business, and build a better small business in the process. If this sounds appealing to you, I can show you how in the next section of this book.